0: Hi, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Robbins. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, we have another ghost story from a guest. Laura recently reached out about her experience with signs and synchronicities. Laura heard my podcast for the first time just last Thursday when she reached out, because her story was one of the stories Laura Lynn Jackson discussed on this podcast. So today, I'm excited to give you Laura's story. Laura's father passed away on December 11th, 2018. A few months earlier, Laura had taken the plunge and moved across the country from Connecticut to San Francisco. It was a move that had been in the works for years, and she finally pushed herself to do it. Laura's father's health had been up and down for a long time. Her parents had had a house fire, and their house had burned down six years prior to his death. Her father was in the house and miraculously survived, but he was found unconscious and then in a coma. And this was the beginning of many medical issues for him. Laura's father was diagnosed with cancer about six months before his passing. Laura and her family found out about his diagnosis literally the day after her best friend had died in his sleep. Everything was so devastating and overwhelming and she was shocked at how drastically life could change in just 24 hours. Even though Laura's father's health had been up and down for the last five years, she never in a million years thought he would be diagnosed with cancer. He had been through so much already, yet he always seemed to be able to snap back. When they found a tumor on his tongue, not only was Laura shocked and saddened, but at the same time, she believed her father could beat anything. Laura's friend's sudden death pushed her to make the move to California. Life is really so short, Laura thought. Laura's twin sister and now roommate in San Francisco said, Laura, do it for Ryan, live your life. Ryan was Laura's friend who had just passed away. That resonated so much and she knew right then that she had to do it. Before moving, Laura spoke to her mom. She didn't want to make the move cross-country, especially because of her father's recent cancer diagnosis, unless she got some assurances from her mother that it was okay. Laura's mom said she had to go and that her dad's health was always up in the air, and she assured Laura that she would be there to take care of him. Obviously, had Laura known he would take a sudden turn for the worse, she may have never left. Laura arrived in San Francisco on October 1st, 2018. Her sister and brother-in-law lived there, so she had a place to stay while she looked for a job. Laura found temp work in the meantime, and while she didn't love it, it was a paycheck. December 7th, 2018, Laura and her twin celebrated their 35th birthdays. Two days later, they rushed back to Connecticut. Connecticut because their dad's health suddenly started to rapidly decline. A few days later, he died in the hospital. Laura and her siblings were all there for his passing. Four daughters, her mom, and her brother-in-laws. And while on one hand it was a blessing that they could all be there, the experience of seeing her father take his last breath was so excruciating and traumatizing that it was impossible for her to put into words. It haunts her and still keeps her up at night with a feeling of sickness and sadness that she has never felt before. Laura spent about two weeks in Connecticut before heading back to San Francisco. And when she did arrive, that's when everything started to hit her. She was so depressed and walking around the streets of San Francisco like a zombie who had her soul amputated. Almost as soon as Laura got back, a married couple who happened to be friends with her uncle who also lived in San Francisco, asked her if she could dog and house sit while they were out of the country. Laura agreed, thinking it might be good to have a place to herself while she tried to process everything and the devastating loss that she had just experienced. The couple had moved into a studio before heading out to Italy and had no furniture except for a bed. No table, no chairs, nothing. Laura spent her days there sobbing, drinking lots of red wine, and contemplating how cruel life could be and why her beloved father had to be taken from her. On her last day there, Laura was sitting on the bed, watching a movie, drinking a glass of red wine, when suddenly she accidentally spilled the wine all over the bed. Freaking out, Laura tried to get rid of the stain as best she could, but had no luck. The worst part was that the wine had seeped into the mattress, so it wasn't just a matter of stained sheets, which could easily be replaced. Now it was a much bigger problem. Laura remembers thinking to herself, great, this is the last thing I need, and I can't even focus my attention on this right now. Laura took the sheets completely off the bed, and to her relief, found that the mattress was actually protected by a mattress cover. Thank goodness, she thought to herself. All she needed to do now was replace the cover, and that shouldn't be too hard or too expensive. Laura looked at the tag of the cover, and it was a brand she had never heard of before. Kitsa. Laura did a Google search and saw that there was a Kitsa master store in San Francisco. She made plans in her head to go down to the store that day. However, when she explained to the people who were coming home what had happened, they assured her not to worry about it. There was no need to replace it. Fine, Laura thought. Honestly, it was such a relief since her emotional state was so bad at the time and she was happy not to have to deal with that. Plus, her temp job had just ended and so she was strapped for cash. But there was something about the name of the mattress company, Kitsa, that stuck out in her mind. And the next few days, she could not figure out why. Yes, the name Kitsa was a bit unusual for a mattress company, but there was something deeper about it, and she just couldn't put her finger on it. Then, all of the sudden, it hit her. Kitsa was sort of a nickname that her father would call her sisters and her affectionately. Her father was from the Ukraine, and Russian was his native language. Kitsa is an affectionate way of saying kitten or kitty, It's not the literal translation of kitten, but rather a term of endearment, a derivative of it. For instance, when Laura would call her father on the phone and say, hi, Papa, instead of responding, hi, Laura, he would say, hi, Kitsa, but it was a name that he would use interchangeably for all four daughters. They were all his Kitsas. It really touched Laura's heart when she made the connection, and she was so excited to tell her sisters and mom about it. But before Laura even had the chance, she was walking through her neighborhood, and there was the key to mattress store. Laura didn't know where the store was, other than it was someplace in San Francisco. She had briefly looked up the address back when she was going to replace it, but never really looked into it since her friends assured her there was no need to replace it. Plus, she was so new to San Francisco at that point that seeing an address meant nothing to her as far as what neighborhood it might be in. So seeing that store alone made her happy, as if she had stumbled upon it for a reason. When she looks at the storefront, she sees at the bottom there is a picture of a cat. It's not like the company was a Russian company. That would have made some sense. But not really, because even if that was the case, kitsa, like I had said, was not even a literal translation of the word kitten. So there wouldn't be a picture of a cat unless the store was called cat in Russian. The very next day, Laura was on a train, texting one of her sisters about this Kitsa sign. And all of a sudden, a man gets on the train and sits down in front of her. He starts reading a book, and for some reason, something told Laura to look and see what book he was reading. He was a complete stranger, so why she would have any interest in what book he was reading was foreign to her. As it turns out, he was reading The Count of Monte Cristo, which was a movie that Laura and her father used to watch together all the time, especially in the last few years of his life. This was a book that has been written years ago, and the odds of someone reading it is slim. It's not like it was Fifty Shades of Grey or something. It was so random that Laura knew it couldn't have been a coincidence. Like the Kitsa connection, it truly blew her mind. And these are just two of the first signs that marked the beginning of a continuous chain of signs and a relationship with her father that is now different from the way it was, but still very much a part of her life. Laura took pictures of both of these instances because she was so certain and comforted at the time that they were true signs. If you want to see those pictures, you can head over to my Instagram account at Dr. Amy Robbins. Thank you all so much for listening today. And if you have a story to share, please DM me at Instagram or reach out via email at Dr. Amy at gmail.com.